Good afternoon, church. Uh, we'll be looking at the Word of God uh, today with me. Uh, my main text will be uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verses 10 to 15. So uh, uh, last week we had uh, Professor Brooke preach about uh, the book of Revelation and he mentioned this scripture and uh, me and Sammy were looking at each other because uh, I had uh, shared this section at uh, Prayer Unusual the Friday before that. Uh, so I believe uh, that... Uh, uh, the Lord is flowing in the same vein, uh, so uh, we'll be looking at that word today. Amen? Amen. Let me start by reading 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting verse 10. By the grace of God, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it into light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this afternoon, and I thank you for the word that you have given me. Holy Spirit, I pray that you may give me utterance so that I may be able to speak as I ought to speak. And I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice, every heart to be opened, hearts to be enlightened, Heavenly Father. May your grace cover me as I minister this afternoon. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So today I want to talk to you about a strategy for fireproof construction. All right. How many of you know that you're in the middle of a construction project? And how many of you know that that construction project will be tested with fire? Uh, so I hope at the end of the sermon, I would have said something to motivate you to live such a life. In June 14, 2017, a fire broke out in West London. Grenfell Tower had 24 stories and the fire started uh, on the fourth floor. There was a faulty refrigerator, and actually the guy who was living there was an Ethiopian guy. <laughs> uh, I was at uh, Lexo the other uh, time, and I uh, met a guy who came from London, and I said, do you know about Grenfell Tower? And he said, oh, Bahailu. Yes, I know him. He's like, so apparently he's very famous. Um, so the, the, the after the fire broke out on the fourth floor, it took only 26 minutes to reach the 24th floor, which is unusually fast. The fire burned for 60 hours after over 250 firefighters, seven, um, 70 fire engines. Uh, it burned for 60 hours, and out of the 293 people who lived there, 72 people died. 
Uh, yeah, so maybe you can't see the time, but on the top of each time, it took only 26 minutes to go from there to complete, uh, completely catching fire. And so they investigated and they said, why did this happen? Uh, so it's a, it's a relatively old building. It's owned by the municipality. But in recent years, there was a, um, a, a renovation that was conducted on the front face of the building. So it kind of got a facelift, but the material that they used, the cladding that they used was highly combustible. Uh, so the moment the fire caught on the fourth floor, it engulfed the whole building before people had a chance to get out. Now, these people, after investigation was done, found out that there was some scheme that was made for the municipality and this company contractor to use that material, knowing that it does not pass the standard, uh, and then this uh, predicament was caused. So these people were tried and uh, uh, they were held accountable. However, these people did not know that a fire would come. Uh, normally, if they knew, the chances of a building catching fire is very rare. It happens very infrequently. So they're thinking, you know, it's okay if we use this substandard material, it's not gonna catch fire. What are the chances, right? But here, what Paul tells telling us is there will come a day when the fire test is coming. So don't use combustible materials. Be sure to build with something that can withstand the fire. Uh, just to give a context, uh, context um, Paul in the Corinthian church, as you know, uh, after he planted it, he heard that sin was rampant and that there was division in the church and there was a popularity contest that people, some were following Paul, some were following Apollos and different People had different followers, so he was writing the le this letter to come against human wisdom, to come against division, uh, so that they can be united. Let's start from verse 10. By the grace of God, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wild, as a wise builder, when someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. So here we see that Christ is the foundation. Paul is establishing, before going into his main point, he's establishing that there's only one foundation, and that foundation is Christ. It is the finished work of Christ. We go into a life of Christianity through faith, the entry of the gospel, and the way we live out our Christian life is based on faith. Not by works. We cannot earn the kingdom of God. We can only receive it as a gift. Ephesians 2, 8 to 9, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So we are establishing, or Paul is establishing here, the fact that the foundation is Christ. No one can earn their own salvation. Then he says, there's only one foundation. So no one can lay another foundation. 
Sometimes, if you have any experience in building houses, once you lay a foundation, you go to the structure. You don't build another foundation on top of that foundation. So after finding Christ, you don't try to complete the work of Christ by adding your own works. So there's no justification by law. Galatians 2.21, Galatians chapter 2 verse 21 says, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. So what he's saying is that if Christ has already finished the work, stop trying to do it yourself. So he firmly establishes the fact that Christ is the foundation for our Christian life. But then again, he says someone else is building on that foundation. What is he saying? The responsibility of building on top of that foundation is not Christ's, but it's yours. That someone else is you, is leaders, is Christians. We are supposed to build on the foundation who is Christ. So that is the platform that has been provided for us. So, the first strategy for constructing a fireproof life is understanding that Christ is our sure foundation, that he is the only foundation and there's no other foundation, but it is our responsibility to build on that foundation. He continues on verse 12 and he says, If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, so he gives us an example of two sets of materials. One is the category of the gold, silver, and the precious stones. And the second is the category of the wood, hay, and straw. For gold to melt, it requires 1,063 degrees. For silver, 961 degrees of heat is needed for it to melt. The way they differentiate between carats of gold, 18, 20, 21, 24, is by how well it has been refined. So the fire for the gold is a refining fire that purifies it. The aim of the fire that goes into gold is to purify it so that it can become a higher quality. Uh, so if we are building our lives through human wisdom, through our own strategies, and not dependent on the gospel, if we are relying on human wisdom and not God's wisdom, then we are building with these materials. Uh, if you look back at the first three chapters of 1 Corinthians, Paul is coming against human wisdom and encouraging them to be dependent on God. 1 Corinthians 4.5 says, Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. So what, what is he saying? That through the day of judgment, he is saying the hidden things will come into light. Not only that the work that you are doing, but your motives will also be brought to light. Uh, what we can see is people you can only see from the outside. You cannot know the motives of someone's heart, but he's saying that that day will reveal even the motive. 
So Paul is here coming against human wisdom, but he's asking us to dig into the word of God, to dig and find the precious stones of the word of God and build our lives by the wisdom of God and not the wisdom of man, not the wisdom of self-help books, but the wisdom of the word of God. So the second strategy for constructing a fireproof building is to dig deep for the wisdom of God and build our lives with these truths. He continues on, verse 13 says, Their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. Notice it's capital D day. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. As we saw in the example of Grenfell Tower, if they knew that the day of the fire test was coming, they wouldn't have used those materials. Uh, but the Bible is telling us to use these materials so that we can know what is, what ex what is expected of us. So just to clarify, this fire is not an instrument of punishment as that of Revelations 20. Professor Brooke touched on this last week, if you remember. But when the Lord appears, when, when, the, when the trumpet is blown, then uh, the dead Christians rise first. And then those who are living join them in the air. And then they go to the judgment seat of Christ where their work as Christians is going to be evaluated. Then, uh, at the end of the millennium, then there will be uh, the white throne of judgment of God the Father, where uh, unbelievers will be judged into punishment. So here, uh, what we're looking at is that day. Second uh, Corinthians 5.10 also allude, alludes to this. Second Corinthians 5.10 says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Not every believer is in the same lifestyle. Not every believer has the same amount of zeal. Not every believer is in the same stage of their uh, spiritual walk. Those who know the Lord uh, more recently will be in an early growing stage while those who've been in the Lord for a long time may be more mature or at least are expected to be more mature though that may not be the case but what Paul is saying is that whether good or bad whatever is done on this body when you get to that judgment seat there will be a judgment um, so, this judgment seat of Christ, the word judgment seat comes from the Greek word bema, which is like where a ruler sits and pronounces judgments, maybe like a court, and the judge is sitting there pronouncing a judgment. It also can mean where the Olympics and people go on a platform to get their rewards. So that's where the, the uh, word comes from. So, what it's saying is that it is not talking about judgment or punishment of salvation. It's not talking about heaven or hell, but it's talking about the work done as Christians. He's saying either you get a reward or you're stripped of it. 
you're stripped of your work and you get nothing. Uh, so, we don't want to be in that situation. We don't want to be in a situation where we go to the Lord and then everything is stripped away. But what did we say will be stripped away? Those that we're constructing with wood, hay, or straw will not stand the fire test, but the precious stones will stand. 14 says, if what, we has, if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. So this is saying that uh, the test of the fire is inescapable, but the idea is reward or no reward. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 25 says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Uh, they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. This concept of gift and reward has to do with something like a work evaluation. It's connected with uh, wages and salary. In your jobs, you are evaluated for the kind of work that you do, and either you'll get a promotion or a demotion, or you'll get a raise, or you'll get fired. You know, something will happen. But that performance evaluation is based on how you perform. Um, so, the Bible doesn't really tell us what exactly is this reward. Paul here, Paul here says that, uh, you know, the crown is not a perishing one, but an eternal one. That's one thing. It means what we invest in this world will have an impact on eternity. It's an eternal reward. So, we're, we're on this earth 70, 80, 100 years, and then we have eternity. So he's saying it's an eternal reward. So you want to be working for a temporal reward or an eternal reward. That's one thing that we see here. But the nature of it, as we saw earlier in 1 Corinthians 4, 5, it says that it, is, uh, it has an element of a praise from God. Uh, also, when we compare this story to Matthew uh, 25 and uh, Luke 19, you remember the stories about the talents or the bags of gold that the master gave. He gave one, uh, one talent, five talents, and ten talents. And when he came back, they had two different rewards. But he said, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share your master's happiness. So we see that it has an element of praise from God. I think this is one of the highest values that we can place on our Christian walk is to hear that resounding good and faithful servant. But when we don't build properly, verse 15 says, if it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Uh, so, yes, this person is saved. It's not they themselves that are being burned, but it's their works that is being burned because they use those materials. 
And it says that they're escaping as through fire means, you, you know, they kind of made it through the skin of their teeth. You know, they just barely made it. You know, the picture that it shows is that one escaping like the building fire you saw earlier, coming at the last person coming out of the building alive, you know, with smelling of smoke, but yet they barely made it, you know. Um, so if we fail the fire test, we lose all our rewards. Uh, and then we will realize that all the activities that we did were in vain and that we then become ashamed at that point. First John 2, 28, 1 John chapter 2, verse 28 says, And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. He said, continue in him, so that when he appears, he didn't say, if he appears. He said, when he appears, it's a sure thing. He said, be confident and unashamed before him at his coming, but he said, continue in him, abide in him, fellowship with him, uh, uh, be obedient, walk in love and truth. If you're walking in any other way, he has provided a way for you. First John 1 9 says that if you repent, the blood of Jesus is able to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. The story, the example that I, I see here is that of uh, two, two children. Let's say you're parents and you have two children and, and one of them is a doctor. Amen, parents. Everybody loves doctors. <laughs> and whenever, you know, guests come, they say, do you know that my son is a doctor? You know, they're so proud of him. And the other one is a drug addict who dropped out of school. And whenever I ask them, did, he, did, that, did that kid ever finish school? And they're like... No, and they feel ashamed whenever his name comes up. But they're both children. They're both children. They both have the same relationship to the parents, but they're proud of one and ashamed of the other. Where are we? When God hears our name, is he saying, ah, I'm so proud of him? Or does he say, uh, you know, so... So while we are here on this earth, we have a chance to make that right. So the third strategy for fireproof construction is building it with the fire test in mind. There, it is a sure thing. It is a definite thing. So I want to talk a little bit about the concept of um, living in sin and committing a sin. Uh, as we are walking on this earth, while we are still in this flesh, we will never be perfect. Until we receive our new bodies and we're glorified, sin will always try to knock. And we are in a continuous process of growth. Uh, when I stand here and share this word, what I'm doing is I'm communicating the word of God to you. I'm not standing here as a perfect person. Actually, my closest friend know me that when I'm behind the wheel, I'm not the uh, most perfect person. <laughs> uh, you know, when people block the road unnecessarily, my, my temper tends to be a bit short. But I'm working on it. It's a work in progress. 
I identify it as a weakness and I'm asking the Lord for grace. But what I want you to look at is if you claim to be a child of God, but sin is okay for you, it's okay to pay a bribe, it's okay to sleep around, it's okay to continuously lie. If you are in that kind of lifestyle and you feel nothing of it, you just do what you do during the week and come on Sunday, then there's a problem. Then there's something that we need to ask ourselves. What is wrong? I'm not going to go with, you know, Calvinist and Armenian uh, uh, arguments over uh, whether our salvation will be taken away from us or anything. I don't believe that once a person is saved, I don't believe that their salvation will be taken away from them. But the question is, were you saved in the first place? If you're continuously living in that lifestyle and your conscience says nothing to you, where is that transformation? Where is that evidence of your transformation? Paul um, has a great balance of righteousness. He balances righteousness with gifts and responsibility. He is the primary preacher of salvation by faith, not by works and grace. You see, most of the Pauline letters focus on this. But yet, he's a very balanced one when it comes to reward and loss. 1 Corinthians 15.10 says, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was given me. He's saying, uh, talking about the other apostles and how he came at the end. And he said, I should not even be called an apostle. But he said, I worked hard than harder than any of them. Why? Because he said of the grace of God that is in me. The grace is not so that we can take God's love for granted, but the grace is to enable us to work much harder so that we can shine more brighter. Amen? Luke 7 tells us that he who has been forgiven much will love much. Right? He who has been forgiven much will love much. Paul remembers the time when he held the coats of the people who stoned Stephen to death. And because Jesus forgave him for that, he feels indebted. That love is motivating him to work harder than any of them. It is not motivating him to kick back and do whatever he wants. The, 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 he is balanced between legalism and, and limitless grace he's saying earlier in first corinthians 4 5 we say that no one should judge the day will bring to light people's motives don't judge people he's not religious he accepts people he gives chances to people he's open-hearted with the flowing with the love of god but he also balances it with saying no no the grace is for holy living the grace is not a free pass for sin Romans 6, he says, should, should uh, sin abound so that grace may abound? No, we have died in Christ. Therefore, how can we live in it any longer? Ephesians 4.1 says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. 
live a life worthy to what you have been called. Let's say someone is constructing a G plus 27 building and they build a foundation for a G plus 27 building. They pour all that concrete in there and then they end up building a G plus three. What would you think? What a waste, right? Why would they pour all that money just to build a G plus three? We said our foundation is Christ. He is calling us to that uh, high life. He wants us to move forward to that. The sky's the limit. Don't settle for a G plus three. In the Old Testament, the, the covenant was, if you obey, do my commandments. Deuteronomy 28, these blessings will follow you. If you don't obey me, these curses will follow you. And you have that system. But in the New Testament, he gave us everything at the beginning. He gave us Christ. He gave us his son. He gave us eternal life. He gave us everything at the beginning so that our response will be out of love and not so that we can get something. Because there's nothing more that we can get. We've got everything, right? Ephesians 4.30 says this in the amplified in the amplified yes in the amplified it says and do not grieve the holy spirit of god do not offend or vex or sadden him by whom you are sealed marked branded as god's own secured for the day of redemption of final deliverance through christ from evil and the consequences of sin the Holy Spirit is there to guide us, to lead us, to strengthen us, to lead us into the direction of all truth, to lead us into a direction of righteousness. We should not uh, uh, force the hand of the Holy Spirit. Uh, a few years ago in home care, we were having a discussion saying, uh, is it the Holy Spirit that is more powerful or our own will that's more powerful? And uh, uh, people were saying, no, Holy Spirit is God. He's more powerful. And they were arguing. And one brother said something very interesting. He said, if I uh, meet with a woman and I uh, start doing something inappropriate, the Holy Spirit will say, stop. And then if I continue to advance the Holy Spirit will say again, stop, stop. But if I override the voice of the Holy Spirit and I go on and do it, what happens? I grieve the Holy Spirit, right? It is not the times of the Old Testament where you'll be like smoted from heaven. But it is a heavy responsibility that you've given. The spirit of the living God resides inside of you. You should walk in the calling that is worth that. So wherever we look, whichever direction we look, we have the motivation for living the righteous life. If we look backward to Calvary, then we will see the amazing gift that has been paid for us. We will see that God has given us his gift of his son, Jesus Christ, and the gift of eternal life. That love should motivate us to love him. 
If we look around, we see the supports of our brothers and sisters who are there with us through our struggles as we are growing in our walk with the Lord. If we look outside into the world, we will see people who need our witness as salt and light so that they can look at our lives and say, I want what you have and come into the kingdom of God. And finally, if we look forward, we have the judgment seat of Christ that is going to be testing us with fire. My question to you this afternoon is, will your work stand?